Praise the Lord. That's not just a good song, that's the truth. We have that quickening power within us today. There's nothing that can keep us. It's hard to imagine really in one way. I stood several years ago in the Roman, <clears throat> where the Romans had placed some of our brothers and sisters in the catacombs some 2,000 years ago. You could look and see their graves as they were cut out in the stone. So they were like this. They were laying horizontal. One, then another, then another, then another. If you'd be able to dug back in there, you probably wouldn't have found dust, ashes, nothing. But yet, one day, he'll speak and they'll come forth. And they won't come forth in old bodies, gray hair, wrinkles, glasses, contact lenses. They'll come forth a new creature. That's what we're living for every day, isn't it? Thank God. Thank God we found the fountain of youth. It wasn't in Florida. It was at Calvary. Amen. God bless you. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's an honor for us to be together today, isn't it? In the presence of God. Uh, <clears throat> let's turn, if you would, today to the book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 1. Lord willing, be having a youth service again tomorrow night, and I guess they didn't have nobody else to take it, so I'll be taking it again tomorrow night. So, ought to be some young guys around here, I guess, but we'll, we'll just work with what we got. So, you youth that are, are wanting to come and be a part of that service tomorrow night, what time is it, Brother Rob? Six? Six, six o'clock, okay. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? Or union, or marriage, a man that can protect you, that it may be well with thee. And now is not Boaz our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast, Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. I'd like to read to you this quote again from the kinsman redeemer. I just think it's so beautiful. The holy men, when they were trying to put it together in the Old Testament, this book of Ruth was one of the outstanding books, outstanding books that they accepted. Now remember, there was the book of the Maccabees, there was the second book of Daniel, there was, for many of you that's read these books, but these men that were putting together the Bible, they did not consider them to be anointed. But they read this one, and even though it seemed like a love story, they knew there was something special. And the prophet said, why if it's just a love story? Why would the writers and the ancient sages accept this book as inspired? Because there's a hidden revelation in it. And in this hidden revelation, you can catch the real meaning. Now this is what I love about it. It'll bring you real close to God. Isn't that what the word's all about anyway? to bring us real close to God. I pray with my whole soul this morning that God will catch every, listen, every heart so spellbound 
till he'll reveal himself just what he is in this story and what he is to you and how to accept him. And when you want to see it, it's so simple. You'll wonder how you ever went over the top of it. But it can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? Let's just bow our heads together if you would. Heavenly Father, we love you today so much. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you are a person to us. You're not a theory. You're not theology. You're not a doctrine. You're not some being somewhere that lives in a heaven that's a million miles away, that's unconcerned with what goes upon the earth. But Lord God, we know that you are so mindful of us. And we believe that you've gone away to prepare a place for us. So we desire today that we can make preparation. Lord, for each one that's here and those that will stream the service, we pray that if there's anything in our hearts, our lives, that would hinder us from being what you want us to be. May we be able to lay it aside. Shape us, mold us. May the potter place us on the wheel that we can be able to be a vessel that is worthy of thy glory and of thy image. Father, I have in my hand this prayer close today for Brother Frank's granddaughter. Lord Jesus, you know this need. I pray in your precious name that you'd move for this child. Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hand off of her life. You come as a thief, a liar, and a robber. But our Jesus came so that you could be cast out. So in his name, leave this girl, I pray. Speak to us today, Father, from your word we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I think we all know enough about the Lord, really know enough about humanity to know that there is a protocol, a way by which we approach people. Sometimes whenever I get out, if I'm laying stone or if I'm cleaning up around the house or as I was the other day over at the new church facility and I'd got a vacuum cleaner and going in and vacuuming all the Sunday school rooms and picking up this and that and the other, I got outside and I got hot, got to sweating and I got to doing different things. I looked down on my clothes and where I dragged that, that shop vac all over everywhere, I had dirt all over my pants, dirt all over my shirt. I looked about like a grub worm. Uh, But you know, whenever I would want to go out somewhere, Carol and I went out later that day to eat a little supper, but I didn't feel that it would be appropriate for me to look like a grub worm sitting down by such a queen. It just wouldn't be fitting at all. And many of you that work and you get hot and sweaty and all that sort of thing, there's something about that we think, well, we probably should clean up a bit and we should take a bath, nothing else, just out of courtesy to the rest of the people in the restaurant. And we think we ought to wash and be able to comb our hair if you've got any left and be able to present yourself in a way that would be more fitting for where you are. Now, if you're out digging ditches, I guarantee you, myself, 
I'm not going to wear this suit. I, I like this suit. I really do. It's several years old, but it's very comfortable. I really like it. I don't think it would be very fitting to be able to go over to the church tomorrow if I go over and change out some cabinet doors and do this and that and the other. I, I don't think this would be very fitting for me to do that. So there are clothes that would be more fitting. You understand? Now, Ruth is going to approach Boaz, and she's going to do it under the administration of her counsel, which is Naomi. Now, Naomi is a type, as the prophet typed us for us, that she was of like the Old Testament church. She was the one that was giving Ruth this insight of the protocol. Now, remember, Ruth was a Moabitess. And even though she'd found grace in the eyes of Boaz, she hadn't yet got to a spot that she was a know-it-all. Now, it's really sad that a lot of people receive the grace of God. They're saved in a week, and they're ready to tell you how to run a church in two months' time. They know exactly what you ought to do, and you ought to do this and that and the other. Well, Ruth wasn't that type of a person. Ruth knew that she was ignorant. And I think the quicker we realize how ignorant that we are really still concerning our God, the faster we'll be able to grow in the presence of the Lord. It's when we get the attitude that nobody can tell me anything. I've been around forever. I don't care if you have been around forever. Nobody knows it all. The main know-it-all that was here on the earth stripped himself of everything. And the Bible says in Luke 2.52 that he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. And he was the true and original and only know-it-all. But when he come, he didn't act like he knew much of anything. Now that is humility. But Ruth is open, and she wants to listen to what Naomi says. Now, what she needs is a kinsman redeemer, a goel, that will be able to redeem her mother-in-law's inheritance. Now, remember, Ruth herself had no property in the land of Israel. She had no title. She had no deed. She had nothing. She inherited only if Naomi was also redeemed because by the law of the leveret marriage, she could only come into position if someone married her. Her only hope of redemption was marriage. So she wants to do everything the right way. Well, I feel the same way today, don't you? Now, Ruth is going to approach this in a five-fold manner a way that will be able to be accepted. No doubt it seems strange and very odd. That's what Naomi said. Now she said, all the men, it is their custom, uh, they're winnowing the barley. Now one of the reasons they did this, it was a time of, of festivities and harvest, but also thieves would also come in and be able to steal this. Now many of them thieves in that day, they are the way they are today, they don't really work. And they don't get out and try to provide, but they let you do it, and then they'll steal what you've done. Now, I heard just yesterday that crime is becoming so bad on the West Coast that in certain cities in California, they are putting out bulletins and telling women not to wear their wedding rings. They're telling them not to wear necklaces around their neck. 
And they're telling them if they have a Porsche or if they have a Mercedes or if they have a really super nice car, they'd probably be better off to leave it in their garage and not drive it because people are watching them and they're following to their homes and knocking them in the head and taking the ball shoes off of their feet and the rings off of their finger. I wonder why they're doing that. Cause you got a bunch of knot heads that's running the government. That's why. And they won't punish them. Well, that's the way it's always been, of course. And because they knew that thieves would come in and try to steal this barley that had been winnowed, so it was the custom of the men at the the harvest cycle that they would come in and they would stay with the barley. So they would actually just get them a coat, which was the bed covering, the cloak of the men. It was the bed covering that they used. So they would wrap themselves up and make themselves you know, some sort of pillar and with the barley, and they would stay there for the night because if not, if they went out, they'd come back the next morning and their building was gone and so was all their barley gone because that's the way thieves work. So now Naomi tells her, whenever you go in and the men will be doing this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to wash yourself. I want you to anoint yourself. I want you to change your clothes. Then I want you to mark the place where he is. Now she gives her one step after another after another. She not only gave her the things to do, but she gave her the order in which they must be done in. Now what if she gets the idea that she doesn't really like that order and she would move uh, position one over to position five. She don't have time to take a bath. She don't have time to wash herself. So she's gonna wait till after she sees Boaz. But you know what, Ruth was a real type of the Gentile bride. And if that's what the word told her to do, whether she understood it or not, she felt like it was not only important the five things that must be done, but the order of those five things in which they must be carried out. That's why the Bible gave us an eternal prescription in the book of Acts. And it was repent and be baptized every one of you, not in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and them that are as far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And may I go ahead and just say to you, it's still on and the prescription still works. Is that right? So the first thing now that she must do is wash herself. Now remember, they did not have bathtubs the way we do. They did not have showers. They did not have, most of the homes in that day would not have even had a bathroom. So they would have had to get water or go to the public bathhouse and be able, so it was quite a lot of trouble to be able to do, but she felt like it was very important. Well, if it was for Ruth in the natural sense, I believe by the word that it is important for us to be washed initially and loose from our sins according to Revelation 1 who has loosed us or washed us and the word there is lutron which means that we've been so washed that we've been loose from the very nature of violent sin that we were all born with. Now once that happens it never has to happen again. If you truly become born again you'll never have to get born again again 
again, again, and again, and again. If you get it one time, brother, and your soul is sealed by the Holy Ghost, it's yours forever. But you're sure gonna make a lot of mistakes. And you're gonna fall short of the glory of God. So guess what? You're gonna need another washing after that you're initially washed. But the symbolism is this. When Jesus told Peter that he had to wash him, he said, you'll never wash me. And he said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter said, well, not only my hand, my, you know, my body, my feet rather, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, no, no, you still are missing it, Peter. You're still missing it. He that is washed, saith not to be washed except for his feet. Now Jesus is typing because the disciples himself had been to the bath house before communion and before they'd taken the Lord's Supper there. So Jesus was showing them, now I'm going to wash your feet because you took a bath a couple of hours ago. So you don't need another bath, but walking in your walk from the bath house to the upper room, you got your feet dirty. Well, how many knows we do? We get our feet dirty. We're living in a dirty, filthy, ungodly world. That's right. And feet, of course, represent our wall. So Jesus said, this is what I'm going to give you. Like the priest in the Old Testament that God told them to make a spigot which would be upon the brazen laver. And even though they had served out in the outer court before they would go into the next dimension or the realm of the tabernacle, they would have to wash their hands and their feet thereat. And God said, the reason is this, so you will not die. Now, it was that serious. They had already been washed by the prophet of God that had their initial washing coming in to their entrance into the priesthood. But even though they had that initial washing, they still had to wash their hands and their feet. Why? They got their feet dirty moving from one sphere into another. It's the same with us today. Now watch this in Ephesians 5.25 that Paul said, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now this is what he's going to do. That he might sanctify, which is hallow, separate from profane things and dedicate to God, to consecrate, to purify. Now this is one of the major things that separates the bride from the church. That the bride sees the need to be hallowed in the presence of God to dress different, to act different, to behave different. That's why we don't believe that a Christian's gonna go around smoking marijuana. We don't believe a Christian's gonna go around drinking and lying and doing all sorts of things. Is that right? Why? Because we are a consecrated bride to Christ. So Paul says that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Now notice this word here, also make clean from physical stains and dirt in a moral sense. To free from defilement of sin and from faults to purify from wickedness. Well how many still needs to be washed? Now notice, look at this word that he says, with the washing, not wash past tense but washing, which is present tense, and it's going to be sanctify and cleanse with the washing. Now here's the Greek word lutron, which means the act of bathing. So the bride gets washed, loose from her fallen nature, but then she's still got this whole part right here which ain't got the Holy Ghost. Oh, this is your greatest enemy. Oh, you say, no, but honey, it's my wife. It ain't your wife, it's you. Oh, it's my husband. No, it's you. Oh, it's the preacher. It ain't the preacher, as rotten as he may be. It's yourself. That's right. 
Now, now we come to the next part here to where Paul says, and he uses an amazing word, was the washing of the water by the word. Now, we've looked at this before, but I'd like for us to go back through it again. There are two Greek terms that are used in the New Testament, and yet whenever we look at it, many times people don't understand it or they interchange it the wrong way, but there's two terms that are used in the Greek language for our English term, word. Now we say word. Well, St. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? But when you read here in Ephesians 5, and you read that Paul says that we're to be made clean by the washing of the water by the word, same English word, but not the same Greek word at all. Now, the word in John 1 and 1, the term in the beginning was the word, is logos. Now, logos is a great word. It was used in the first century by a great historian, one of the first ones ever record of that was ever to use it. And it, it, the, the meaning of logos is absolutely tremendous. Great, big, old, long meaning that goes with this word. So it is the mandate. It is the thought or the concept of God, something that has been spoken out. It is also something that can be articulated by a living voice, but for the most part, it is that which is written. Now remember God knew that one day the Bible would be written down on ink, by ink rather, and paper, and that Satan, if God left the power in the word, then when a person would take this Bible and open up their Bible and read and say, let there be, let there be, let there be. If the word and the power were still united together, Satan could create. Sinners could create. But what did God do? God separated the power from the word. And this is why that the Bible said the letter kill us, but the spirit give us life. Now, the Lord Jesus, when he's been tempted in Matthew 4 and also in Luke 4, and the devil come to him tempting him, and what did the devil use? Logos. It is written. It is written. Now, he could quote the Logos, but he didn't have no power. You understand? He could quote the Logos just like he does to you and I, but the Lord Jesus, whenever he was on the earth, he spoke both Logos and Rhema. Let me say it this way to you now. That a true born again son of God that's called to be a preacher, he will preach both Logos and Rhema. Now the word here, the term that Paul uses is R-H-E-M-A. It's pronounced rhema. And it means that which is or has been uttered by the living voice. So it's not just a mandate. It's not just a thought or a concept. But it is that which has been the mandate spoken by a living voice. How many has ever had the Spirit of God to quicken something to you from his word? Well, that was a rhema word. And what will he do? He will take that which is written. So in essence, the Logos is the communicative channel of God by which he will speak by his word. And truly, we definitely need both Logos and rhema. And you know what? The Spirit of God is not gonna quicken quotes of Walt Disney to you and give you overcoming power. 
So the more logos you feed on, the more you're giving the spirit of God to make it rhema for you. So if I was you, I couldn't worry so much about football guys and baseball guys and basketball guys, and I'd fill my spirit, my mind, my heart with that logos of God. So when you get in trouble, the spirit of God can take that logos and quicken it to you, and it becomes a rhema word. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, let us look at some examples of this. Now, this must, you say, what difference does it make? It must make a difference or the writers of the New Testament would have all used Logos. But why did some of them use Rhema? Now, listen very carefully. Matthew chapter four, verse four. But he answered and said, the Lord Jesus now responds back to the devil. He answered and said, it is written. Now, what is Jesus quoting? Logos. But it's quickened to him by the Father, which is dwelling in him, that this scripture from the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy is applicable to his present situation. So he takes what is written and the Spirit of God, now he's not guessing, okay, so which scripture should I use? Uh, should I use this one? Should I use that one? Uh, should I use Abinadab begat Asalabab? And Asalabab begat Jehu. And Jehu begat so-and-so. Well, that might help you in your time of need. I don't think it's gonna help me. That's why you and I need the Spirit of God to lead us to which word applies to our situation. So the Father in the body of his humanity, the Son of God, the Father led him which Logos would pertain to his situation and changes it into a rhema word. And yet the devil quoted the Logos too, but he did not have the power to make it rhema. How many's ever been sick or afflicted or whatever and the Lord just quickened his word to you, by his stripes you're healed. All of a sudden, praise God. My goodness, I had affliction in my body years and years ago. Whenever I first come down here and I was down in the basement of the house, listened to a tape of the prophet and the prophet called out an individual and he said, you sir, you got this certain, certain thing in your body. I was down there by myself. Well, I thought it was, but me and the Lord down there and the spirit of God come in that room where I was and he quickened that very quote, that very discernment and it was just like I was standing right in front of that prophet. I mean, he's had it happen to and what was it? It was the Spirit of God that took that quote and made it a rhema word for my situation and that condition left my body right then and there. Praise the Lord. Now can I do that? No, I've tried it. You ever have a need for something? They say, oh, I know where there's a quote. I know this quote. Now, I'm gonna read that quote and I'm gonna see if I quote or do it. It won't do it. What the Spirit of God has to take that Logos and transform it into a rhema word, then it's your inheritance. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Same English word now. And you'll say, well, it's the same as Logos. No, it's not. Rhema. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every rhema that proceedeth, not from the pages of the book, 
but from the mouth of God. Oh, I've been going through a tough time here lately. Not been able to eat much. Not able to sleep much. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, I need a word. I need a word, Lord. I was sitting at somebody's house a few days ago. And for whatever reason, I was left in the room by myself. And I was sitting there in a chair and I looked over on this chair and there was a table there to my right hand. And I saw a book laying there. I saw a couple of Bibles underneath it. And it looked like maybe a devotion type of thing, a daily devotion or something other. I actually didn't even look at the front of it. But I just felt inspired. And I reached over and I picked up that book, blue, blue on the outside. And whenever I picked it up, it just fell open in my right hand. And my eyes landed right on the scripture in the book of Exodus. I will fight for thee and thou shalt hold thy peace. Glory! Now you say whatever you want, believe whatever you want. That was a rhema word from God to me. Now, the trouble didn't go away, the burden didn't go away, but it sure felt like a lot of it did. <laughs> Why? Because I had heard from God. Oh, Brother Donnie, you don't mean to tell me you believe God would do something so simple. That's why we miss him so much. We look for great complicated this and that and the other. Oh, my brother, sister, may we never confound the greatness of God by our stupidity and thinking God has to come out way. May we humble ourselves to the presence of God. If God could use a donkey to speak his word, can't God speak to us? I would love to see the look on the devil's face. Now the devil can speak Greek, Aramaic, French, English, he even knows Tennessee English. <laughs> Smart devil if he knows our language, huh? So when Jesus spoke this in the Aramaic language, and he did not use the word logos, Satan must have looked and thought, what in the world? Something's fixing to change here. Because remember the word rhema, it's not in the Old Testament. It's in the new, under the new covenant. New token life. You imagine, Brother Fred, if Satan heard that word, Rhema. And he thought, what in the world? Matthew 26, 75. This is when Jesus has been now captured by Pontius Pilate or the uh, temple guards first. And Peter denies the Lord. 
And Peter remembered the rhema of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock thou shalt deny me thrice. Now remember, rhema, to a prophet, rhema doesn't even have to have a matching scripture in Logos. I'm convinced a lot of folks in the message don't even believe Brother Branham was a true prophet. Because they think he has to have scripture for everything he says. What in the world does it matter with a bunch of people around this message that don't even know the word of God comes to the prophet? A prophet is a divine interpreter of the written word and if God's got something he wants to say, that prophet when he's on the earth, that's God's channel of saying it. The Logos never said Peter would deny Jesus. But the rhema did. I don't mind telling you, these ain't my favorite rhemas. I don't want this said about me. Come on, anybody else understand? Oh, no, no. I don't want this said about me, but what was this? Something, Brother Danny, that was the word of God, inspired, yet not written in the Logos. Luke chapter one, verse 38. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, ah, according to thy rhema. You see, the angel took what was written in the form of the Logos and opened her understanding to see it was her. Glory to God. She saw herself in that scripture. You imagine she had read that or heard it read since she was a little girl. But then the angel of God quickened that word to her and said, a virgin shall conceive. And she saw it. Mama, it's me. It's me. It's me. She saw herself in that word and the fulfillment of that word was her portion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Only the Spirit of God can do that for us. Oh, no wonder the prophet said that the bride is waiting for the revelation of the rapture. For the rapture is a revelation. Your healing is the same way. You quote the Logos. By stripes I'm healed. By stripes I'm healed. That's you quoting the Logos. Shall I do it, Brother Donnie? Do it with all your heart. But one day Father will say it through your mouth. Oh, glory to God. Then Father will say it through your mouth. And when he does, look out, devil. A rhema is a verse or a portion of scripture that the Holy Ghost takes and quickens to your current situation. and makes it applicable to where you are. Now you know how we are as humans. I remember as a Pentecostal preacher years and years ago, boy, we'd find, we'd find a certain song, and boy, I used to leave the singing in tent meetings and stuff, and if, if, if whatever song worked on Monday night, you would try her again on Tuesday. And if it didn't work on Tuesday, say, well, maybe it's a dud on Tuesday night, but we'll try her again Wednesday. 
Why? Because it moves, you know, it moves this and moves that, and you've done it. But you realize these things are sovereignly controlled by God. God may take a scripture and quicken it to you, and the power of God ushers out of your being and makes it happen. And you try the same thing next Thursday, and it's like a dud on a firecracker. You light that thing and say, oh. Why? We don't control this. Remember in the book of Luke, when the angel came and gave the salutation to the shepherds, that there was going to be a sign that was going to be shown them. And Luke 2.16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad. Now the English word is saying, but the Greek word is rhema. They made known abroad the rhema which was told them concerning this child. So what did the angels do? Quoted Logos, but made it real to stinking, humble, lowly, looked over shepherds. Who would have ever believed them in the first place? One of the lowest occupations in the land of Israel at that time. But you know what? That rhema word set them old boys on fire. You imagine when they come out of there and everybody would get away from them because they smell like sheep and they're hot and sweaty and everything like that. But you think that mattered to them? No, sir. Why? They had a rhema word from God. Lord, children, can you imagine an early one morning somewhere between six and nine o'clock, a ram a word, hallelujah, about the rapture is gonna sweep this earth. It ain't no wonder we're gonna be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Praise the Lord. Remember the man by the name of Simeon, Luke 2.26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christos. He had no logos. Not one written word could he find in the Torah, in the Mishnah, in the books of the Old Testament. Not one could he find his name written there. But it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. Simeon, you ain't gonna die. Imagine that old boy would get flu and he'd get cold and maybe COVID come through and whatever else come through and the devil said, boy, I've got you this time. He said, you ain't taking me until I've seen the Lord's Christ. I don't care what he, well, you say, I wish I had that word. You've got the same word. You're here for a purpose of God and no matter what the devil does to you, he cannot take you until that purpose is done. So if the devil threatens you, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, you come right back in his face and say, oh no, you're not. God brought me on the earth. I'm gonna serve him. I'm gonna live for his purpose and you can't take me, devil, out of my way. Luke 2.29 Lord! Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy rhema. 
Don't you see? He heard a word from God. Well, praise the Lord. Let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. So in essence, God communicates through the scripture via the Logos. God communicates his will. He communicates how he wants the church born. He communicates certain things of how we should dress, how we should do this and that and the other. He communicates through what? The written word. Why do people struggle when they say cutting their hair or men doing this and the other? It's never been quickened to them. It's nothing but logos, but if God ever quickens that to you, you're cured of scissoritis, sisters. Luke chapter three, verse two. Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the rhema of God came unto John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Isn't it amazing? Not the Logos. This is God's communicative channel on the earth. God has something he wants to say. Now remember, it'll never be opposite to the Logos of the written word. But God, John, is going to have to say certain things that wasn't written in the Bible. I'm not made that way. I'm a pastor. You know, evangelist is not made that way. A teacher is not made that way. It takes a prophet to be able to be made to catch when God has something he wants to say. He could have said it 4,000 years ago, but he said, no, I think I'll wait. I said, go wait till that time and I'll have a man on the earth that can receive rhema. Now me and you'll get one every now and then, then we'll get another, and then we'll get another. But when God's got a prophet on the earth, he can give him a rhema word and another rhema word and another rhema word. Why? He's got that channel of communication open in the presence of God. Thank God for a prophet with a message on the last day. So the word of God came into John. John could stand up and say, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But there was no Logos that said, behold, the Lamb of God. So John baptizes him in water and the Spirit of God descends up out of heaven. He said, the voice that called me to baptize said, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit of God descending. It is he that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There was much water in Aeon, and a few days after this, John seeth Jesus and tell his disciples, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There was no Logos that said that, but a rhema word come out of that prophet's mouth. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Luke 5, 5. Simon, Peter, answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy rhema, I will let down the net. It was not written in the Logos, let down your net on the right-hand side. But Peter needed a present tense word. 
he was pretty discouraged and he was pretty down and he'd done everything he needed to remember. He was a professional fisherman and he had toiled and toiled and toiled and didn't know what to do. So Jesus just gave him a rhema word. Hey, it was the same one who said, let there be light. Couldn't he speak down there in them waters and say, let there be fish everywhere. If the same Lord God can take the promise of divine healing or a miracle or salvation for your children or restoration of your husband or your wife, cannot he say the same thing? Oh, but Brother Dolly, will it be out of your mouth? It may not be. It may be out of yours. Lord God, I claim my children. Lord God, I claim my husband, you may say. I claim my wife, whatever it is. And the Spirit of God takes that word and says, I give them to you. We will have to be loosed from the fear. Why are some of y'all sitting there and you're scared to death while I'm preaching right now? You say, oh God, where's Brother Donnie going? Right in the pages of your Bible. If I get out of the pages of your Bible, raise your hand and let me know. But I want to get you in them pages so much that you'll see the Lord Jesus and you'll see yourself. The sons and daughters of God, not weaklings that's barely hanging on. We are more than conquerors. Nevertheless, at thy rhema, I will let down the net and I'm going to capture my healing. I'm going to capture my boy, my daughter, my deliverance. I'm going to get deliverance of this old habit that's tormented me at thy rhema. It's amazing how many times Jesus used this word. St. John 5, 46, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, shall you believe my ramas? Now this is what had stumbled them so much whenever he would give them rhema words from his indwelling present father, that he would say, I and my father are one. And the Jews took up stones to stone him. And what would he quote back to them? Is it not written in your logos? Ye are gods. <laughs> but ye, if ye believe not his writings, how shall you believe my reigners? That in St. John 6 when he says, he was the bread which come down from heaven. Any man that eats his flesh and drinks his blood. Boy, you talking about stirring him up. He said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The ramos that I speak unto you, they are not just letter. They're not just a bunch of letters put together, but those rhemas are actually spirit and life. Praise God. The rhemas that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Oh God, church, the Lord loves us so much. He gives us his doctrine in the form of logos. Whys and why nots and wherefores and thou shalt and thou shalt nots. Thank God for every one of them. 
But there's days, and you know it as well as I do, that you're in such dilemma you don't know what to do, and you look for a scripture, and you look for a quote, and you might pass by a Church of Christ church, and they would have a scripture posted out there on their Antichrist sign. <laughs> and yet you pass by there, and that scripture looks like it's in box car letters. And the Lord would take that scripture right off of that Church of Christ sign or that Catholic sign, and it goes right down in your heart, brother John. You say, Lord, I mean, that's the mess. Of course, you're afraid to share the testimony with anybody. You're afraid to tell her, I saw this on a Church of Christ sign. No, he's like, glory to God, the Lord gave it to me. He can use his word, whether it's on a Church of Christ sign or a Catholic sign or a Baptist sign. Now remember St. John 6, 6, 6. St. John chapter 6, verse 66. St. John 6, 6, 6. After Jesus says these words that we just read about eating his flesh and all that, the Bible says, and many of his disciples turned away and walked with him no more. They could not take rhema words. Then Jesus turns around and says, all right, boys. We've had a little thinning down now. Let me see if you boys are with me or not. You all want to leave? Hit the door. My goodness, he done lost a whole bunch. Now he lost a bunch of his preachers. You imagine Peter, could I say something? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the ramus of eternal life. They don't even have the Holy Ghost yet, but they're getting it, they're understanding the word must be quickened to us. They're not even born again. But Peter is catching it. Oh, I see. It takes the Spirit of God. You, you, you are the person of the rhema itself. In you dwells the Father. Oh, you're not saying these words of your own, but it is the Father dwelling in you. That's what you've told us. And you have the rhema words. What did the priest have? The Logos words. Now, friends, I hope you don't get quiet. I mean, I hear this morning. But do you understand we've got a lot of Logos preachers in this message? They don't believe in the move of God. They don't believe in really a baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in healing, miracles, signs, wonders. The Logos appeals more to the intellect. Rhema appears to the soul. We've got a lot of Logos preachers and you've heard them preach as well as I have and they can stand up and say some good things. Even the smiley preacher from Texas can have a few things to say every now and then. Well, listen to some of the Presbyterians. Listen to some of these men. Well, you say, but Donnie, they've got good points. They do. But can their words produce new births? Only a son of God preacher 
can produce genuine new birth. But other preachers can stand up and speak very good and very eloquent. I hate to say it, but friends, that's what we've gotten the message. And we're getting a generation of young preachers that just stand and speak. They're not anointed. I ain't talking about screaming and hollering. The anointing is not screaming and hollering. It's you being anointed to speak the word. And it's more than memorization. It produces the good desire, godly effects in the lives of the people. I don't want just a Logos preacher. I want one that's got both barrels. but lead me to life. That'll change me. Imagine Peter saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. In other words, like this, we might say, we'll be going to go after hearing this. I'll tell you, friend, it's just absolutely beyond me. People that could have said in the message churches and go back to these denominational hog lots, I don't understand to save my life. Well, praise the Lord. One thing that gets me, so many of the message preachers are so against the Pentecostal experience and preaching against the real baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many of them preaching against Pentecost and how many of them has ever been in Pentecost? I've been there. I know what Pentecostal is. Pentecostalism by experience and what this message produced in me is not the same thing I had back there. Hallelujah! I was in the 1906 version, but now I got in the Acts 2 version. Praise the Lord, the original life, the original power, and I'm not ashamed to say I am Acts 2 for Pentecost. Oh, dear God, Brother Dine, don't say that. It'll go all around the world. Well, let me say it real clear. I'm not ashamed to have a Pentecostal experience. Anybody in here with me? Why? These are the words of eternal life. Jesus goes on to say in St. John 8, 47, He that is of God heareth God's ramus. Now listen, children. Jesus didn't say, he that's of God will hear God's logos. There will be millions of people that will stand at the judgment throne that will answer for hearing the logos of God and be condemned to the regions of the lost. But Jesus didn't say, he that's of God hears the logos. And you will. But he that's of God has a direct birthright into the rhema channel. Hope you don't misunderstand me. I have a rhema life. I don't 
don't want just a logos life. Because there's times I've searched that logos. I've been reading the Bible since I was 12 years old. Much of it I've committed to memory. But that ain't what helps me. Well, sure, the Spirit can quicken it. But I want to live a rhema life. Then when I take out my phone, I've got the Bible on my phone, I've got the message on my phone. You can ask Carol, I'm constantly sending quotes to people, scriptures to people. There's some times I can't even find one for myself. Hallelujah. The search engine can't search rhema words. He that is of God heareth God's ramus. Ye therefore hear them not. And it's on one simple basis. Because ye are not of God. Now Jesus just prior to this in three verses had said these words. The gentle, sweet, loving, humble, kind, lowly Jesus said these words, ye are of your father, the devil. And his works, you will do. Wow. I'm not sure people really know the Jesus of the Bible, are you? Let me hurry so I can close. St. John 14, 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the ramas that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. How many times, friends, has God put men of God up here in front of you to preach? And many times things that they would have to say, it wasn't in their notes. They had no intention whatsoever of saying it, but the Father dwelling in the man had him to say a word with your name on it. And you say, praise be to God. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. What was that? It's the same Father. My brother Tim Prince sent me a quote yesterday when Brother Bill, <coughs> excuse me, was talking about men of God standing up preaching and when they're anointed of the Holy Ghost, he said it's the same as God standing up there preaching his word to you. Wow. St. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me and my ramus abide in you, ask. What? What you will? You see, this is why we can't make these things happen on our own. Now, I wonder how many be honest enough today and say you've tried the spoken word before. I've tried to calm the storms. I wind up climbing out of the tree stand and go to the house. <laughs> I was in Illinois several years ago and I was up in a tree stand, which is a lock on. Most of you sisters may not know what that is, but that's a long pole that's this one about 30 feet up in a tree and had a little things on the side of it and it's made like this. So you're climbing up in things and then you had to step way around off of that stick, way over here and you sit down in this little seat about this big. I know hunting sounds foolish. I'm beginning to think the same thing. 
And I sat up there and it was a more, it was a warm day. And I seen them dark clouds gathering behind me and the wind picked up and I thought, Lord, I'm in a fix. It's gonna take me forever to get out of this tree. And that wind was a whipping up. So I didn't stand up, but I sat there, wind. But the wind didn't listen to my voice. <laughs> that old tree I was in started rocking back and forth, and I said, Jesus, get me out of here. <laughs> oh, I see none of the rest of you have ever done that. There's an old boy we knew down in Kentucky years ago, and his name is Donnie Farley, bless his heart. He used to ride a bicycle to church and the meetings all the time. And, you know, poor little fella wasn't quite right. And boy, we loved him with all of our hearts. Somebody ran him off the road one day or something, ran him into the creek, big pool of water, him and his bicycle. Harry, I think it was, maybe said, Don, what, what did you say? So I said, Jesus, get me out of here. Jesus, get me out of here. <laughs> we want it to happen. The desire in our soul for it proves it's a reality. But we can't make rain of words no more than we can make an earth or we can create a world. But when God drops it in your heart. If you abide in me and my rhemas abide in you, you shall ask. What you will. How can rhemas abide in us? But you see what it is? It's when he drops the rhema word for when you need it. Your mouth will grab a hold of that rhema word. And when he does, then your will has now become his will. So if whatever you ask for, whatever you will, how can that happen? It's how would he trust such power to us? Only if we're under such control that he knows he could give it to us. So what if God gave us the power of the word? We all head after church. You get behind one of them blue grandmas who got blue hair. I believe the slowest people in this world drive Max Jet Road, Powder Branch Road, Milligan Highway Road. Oh, you say some of on your street too? Okay, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad to know they don't all live where I live. It's a good thing I ain't got the power of the word because I'd, I'd already created a vehicle that you push a button and it goes and the wheels go and I'd run right over the top of them just like this. Not to kill them now, but just to make my vehicle because every time you're in a hurry, I mean, those on them are like, oh, Brother Donnie, you're a human? Yeah, why do you figure I ain't done raptured? So he don't give it to us at our disposal. Here, do what you want. Lord have mercy. But what if he could drop a rhema word in your heart and all of a sudden? Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Probably Brother Earl Martin sitting here today. Maybe some of his other brothers, maybe even some of you saints. It just drops in you. And all of a sudden you know your words are his. I've seen it before when I've walked into a hospital and people in the middle of a heart attack. I feel another person take my hand and another person's looking out of my eyes and speak to that heart attack in the name of Jesus and watch the machine stop. Now don't you think if I could do that, 
I'd be a 24-hour employee at the med center. I'd never come home. I'd be in there all the time stopping heart attacks. But it ain't at my control. It ain't at your control. Don't you think if I didn't have power like that within myself, I'd speak to my daughter sitting there today. God's got a church. If he can pull them in harmony, and we can lay aside our isms and our divisions and our this and that and the other and realize it ain't about me, it ain't about you. It's about him. St. John 17, 8, Jesus said, I have given unto them the ramus which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have surely known that I came out from thee. Not from beside you. He didn't come from beside another God. He come out of the only living God. Let me close. Acts 2.14. Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my ramus. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Now watch the Spirit of God take the Logos. But that, that it is spoken by the prophet Joel. So the Spirit of God takes the Logos and applies it to present tense and says, we have arrived. Peter would have been daresome to have done that without the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God had now come into his soul. And what Peter now said, what you say will come to pass. Peter's now saying the Father's word. Let's stand. We we, we can't finish it. Remember, a rhema word from God will never contradict his written word. And you know as well as I do, my goodness, we've heard people say, I feel led to do this and I feel led to that. Well, let me just tell you something as a pastor. If you could hear what people tell me they felt led to do, that saying gets to a spot to where you doubt a whole lot of it. Well, praise the Lord. Remember, a rhema word will never lead you away from the Logos. Acts 5, 19, and the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the ramas of this life. Household of Cornelius, Acts 10, 44, wow, Peter, yet spake these ramas. 
Believe it or not, that's when some of you got the Holy Ghost. When the rhema word of God come and so caught your soul into the presence of God. And you felt within you something happened, something changed. And some of you are still looking for an evidence of this or that or the other. Look at the evidence that your life has changed and it leads you to the word of God. So here is Peter speaking rhema words. Notice what happened. While Peter yet spake these rhemas, the Holy Ghost fell. <laughs> Praise God. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Whew. Notice in Acts eleven thirteen, he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house. Here's Peter rehearsing these things. Remember, the brothers at the headquarters got all upset because Peter preached to the Gentiles and they got the Holy Ghost. They said, don't you know the Holy Ghost don't belong to them Gentile dogs? That's ours. Well, Peter said, don't blame me. I was just preaching the word and the Holy Ghost took hold of them. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto them, send men to Joppa. Don't you understand? The angel of God gave a rhema to Cornelius. And in that rhema was Peter's name. Send men to Joppa and go to the house of one called Simon the Tanner. Carol and I stood there just a few years ago where they say is the traditional site of Simon the Tanner's house. Peter's up on the house and the Lord showed him a vision. And Peter's name was in a rhema word from God. Call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So God knows your first name, your middle name, and your surname. Who shall tell thee, Ramus, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to Rama, <laughs> as I began to Rama, the Logos never said this. The Logos never said it. But this is custom made for Gentiles. And as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Oh, don't you love him, children? How many wants to live a life so close to God that God can drop you his word? Can I read one more scripture? Romans 10, 8. But what saith it? The rhema is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the rhema of faith which we preach. You see, that's why an intellectual theologian We'll preach the Logos. Talk the Logos. Oh, he knows the Greek, the Aramaic, you know, all the diphthongs and this and that and the other. But if he himself is not baptized by the Holy Ghost, he don't have that access into the rhema word. And another guy get up behind him, maybe just as simple as he can be, and just looses you from that thing that was binding you. And that theologian puts you to sleep. One of the best nights of sleep you ever had in your life can be in church. But when a rhema preacher preaches, he may be very uncouth. 
He may not have very good pulpit manners, but he'll set you free. He'll bring the word of God that'll so help your soul. But what saith that the word is nigh even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the ramus of faith. Ramus of faith, which we preach. Romans 10, 17. I said one more. Can I have one more? <laughs> so I'm making you laugh now. <laughs> so then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the rhema of God. But I can still quote it, Ephesians 6, 17, and take unto you the word of God, take unto you the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the ramus of God. The sword of the spirit. When you don't know what to fight the devil with and the Holy Ghost drops a word inside of you and says, touche, touche, devil. And the Holy Ghost drops. Lord Jesus, thank you today, Lord, for your word. Lord God, we want to live a rhema life. I thank you for that word you gave me the other day, Lord. You know how desperately I needed it. No doubt it won't be the last one that I'll ever need, but it had such value to me. I realize a lot of preachers, oh, I'm so deep, I don't need them. Well, I hope I person ever get that deep. But I don't think I need the Holy Ghost. I confess to you today, Lord God, This battle is too hard for me. It's too great for me. This task you have laid before us. We are the consummation of all the ages. The Bible says that we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Paul takes it from the Roman arena. There would be thousands times thousands times thousands of voices that would be screaming out for the gladiators in the field. And Paul captures that and says, that's the way it is in heaven. Oh, we could hear today the voice of Paul and of Peter and of John and of Luther and Wesley, Brother Random, screaming out, you can make it, children. You can make it. Keep pressing the battle. Lord, it ain't no wonder the devil wants to consume all of our time and get the people too busy to listen to tapes and too busy to read their Bible, too busy to pray. And oh, if they'd only spend less time on Facebook and more time on the real book. They'd spend more time praying and reading their Bible and filling their hearts with Logos words from God. Then the Holy Ghost has access. And the Holy Ghost can take one of those Logos words and drop it right down in our heart. Lord, I hope they can understand and not misunderstand me, please. But a rhema word can, from God can do more in five seconds than a quote book full of Logos words. We could sit down and read our Bible and memorize every word of it. But if it's Logos, 
What good does it do us if we never move into that rhema stage? Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Anybody in here today beside me say, Lord, I want to live a closer life like that. I want you to be able to speak to me, Lord. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. God bless you, children. Let me just share a personal testimony with you. It's to my shame. It's to my embarrassment. Years ago when I came to the message and God would speak to me and deal with me. But I got around certain preachers and they began to preach against people saying, well, God told me this and God told me that. I understand that. I know. But I went through a dry spot in my life. And one day, Brother Aaron, I went to him in prayer and it had been bothering me for a while. And I said, Lord, why don't you never speak to me no more? Why don't you tell me things? I don't think I'll forget it as long as I live, if I'm in my right mind. He said to me, you won't let me. You've let preachers tell you that I don't speak no more. I made up my mind from that day. I don't care who tells me. God don't speak if it's my closest friend. I'm not going to let them hinder me from my Father speaking to my heart. Hallelujah. Sometimes it might be direction. Sometimes it might be correction. Sometimes it might just be, hey, I just want you to know today, I love you. Ain't that a wonderful word from God? I love those words from him. I love those words. And maybe just, let's just raise our hands. Let's sing a little something together there. Hey, I want you to just look at your heart. Now remember, the prophet tells us that if you ever feel led to do something or anything strangely ever comes to you, he said, check it by the word and consult your pastor. So any voice that speaks to you, I hear voices all the time. You say, oh no, don't tell me you hear voices all the time. In your head? Yep, in my head. Does that mean I get a check? I check every voice I hear with the word. No, I don't let feelings dominate my life. I don't let voices dominate my life because I found out the devil can go a long time before he slips up, but he will eventually slip up and miss the word. You keep using the word on him and he will mess up. But I want to be a kind of child of God that if I'm out somewhere and I ain't got my phone and my memory won't work like it used to, I'm 66, so man, I found a few things slipping. And I can't get where I want to and I say, oh man, but if I've got the Holy Ghost, he's able to drop that rhema of scriptures that I memorized when I was a Pentecostal preacher and give me a word from God. How many wants to be that kind of believer? I don't want to just pack a Bible under my arm. One of my black buddy preachers texted me the other day to wish me a happy birthday. And he said, Brother Donnie, I just wanted to say, you've been known for decades. You've been called a walking Bible. Now he said, now that you're 66, you've got all 66 books. <laughs> I didn't have the courage to tell him I couldn't remember half what I used to remember. <laughs> Aren't you glad even when we get old and we lose our strength, Brother Sam, and we lose this and lose that, the Holy Ghost is there. 
to drop a rhema word. Oh, I may be 80 or 90, who knows how old we'll be. One morning we'll get up. We'll get so feeble. Can't see no more. And we're looking around for our teeth. Didn't I put them things in that jar? Oh, that's my glasses. Oh, my God. You get that polygrip out and you realize, oh, my goodness, it was liquid cement. It may be one of them type of days. All of a sudden, you look in your mirror, and there stands your beautiful young wife. And you know it ain't going to be long, but you're going to be changed. A rhema word from God will sweep the earth. The prophet said, all of a sudden, a sweep will come over you. You see, as the bride people, we're used to sweeps. Remember the parable in the Bible when Jesus gave in the book of Luke, when he gave the three parables of redemption and reconciliation? One of them was a woman losing a coin. That was already hers, and she loses it out of her headdress. And she gets a candle, light, and she goes to sweeping the house to find where the coin was. The coin was minted, and it had the image and the superscription of the emperor of that time already on the coin. So the image was there. Oh, glory. All she needed to do was find was what hers. So we're used to sweep. So folks that don't like to be swept will miss the main sweep. So all I say is, Lord, keep sweeping me. Sweep me out. If I get too much dust, too much this, sweep me out. So when the main sweep comes, I'll be swept away. Oh, let's worship him just a little bit now before we go. Oh, I know you got lunch plans and all that sort of thing, but I'll tell you what, I think we ought to love him a little bit right now. Like this will be our last chance to ever get to be in church. Because you don't know what it might be. Let's sing some Mary. Let's just worship him now. If some preachers have been telling you God ain't real and God can't speak no more, you need that old thing. Maybe the words come and wash you today and give you a good bath in the Lutron. Yeah. May God just wash that unbelief away and say, yes, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. And I'll go forward. Hallelujah. Saturate my soul. Let the river flow. Yes, Lord. Let the north wind blow. Lover of my soul. Saturate my soul. Let the river flow. Yes, Lord God. Let the north wind blow. Lover of my soul. Oh, let's just worship you. Saturate my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Let the
beloved spoke and said unto me, O oh, rise up, my fair one, come away with me, saturate my soul, let your river flow, let the north wind blow, lover of my soul, my soul. appreciate God speaking to us. Amen. The Lord bless you. We're going to let you go. Remember service, Lord willing, Wednesday night. I may be looking forward already to it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just continue, Brother Harry, if you will, sing that just as you're dismissed today. Shake hands with somebody around you. We've got a lot of visitors today making an point to welcome them. Tell them you're glad to see them in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Let's sing that as we go today. Saturate my soul Let the river flow Let the north wind blow Lover of my soul Oh, saturate my soul Let the river flow
my soul Let the river flow Let the north wind blow Lover of my soul Oh, saturate my soul 